Welcome to the City Beautiful Church podcast. Thank you for taking the time to join our family as we strive to live together in heavenly reality. For more great content, visit us online at citybeautiful.ch. It reminds me of that like passage, you know, like, the, and the train went by, but the Lord was not in the train, you know, it's a still small voice. Um, what was I saying? Oh, so a lot of times what we do in our community is we find it the importance of pausing and reflecting and allowing the Lord to remind us of what he has done and spoken in the past before we really look into the future. Because a lot of times, if we don't enter into that practice, when we begin to anticipate the future, a lot of times we're anticipating it without being grounded in anything. And that's what so often leads to us having anxiety when it comes to the future, or feeling a sense of despair, because we don't really have anything that we're standing on. So, so for many of us, we come to the, you know, the end of the year and we're looking at 2019 and we're thinking, oh my gosh, like this and that and the other and all these things that I have to accomplish in my life personally, in my career, for our community, for our country, whatever it might be. And it's a spiritual discipline for us to pause and to reflect and allow the Lord to speak to us before we begin to cast vision for the next year. And so uh, January 6th, which is the first Sunday of uh, the new year, we're going to be kind of finishing out the Christmas season with Epiphany. So that'll be next week. Um, and then we're going to do what we call Washer Sunday. How many of you have been there for that in the past? And that's where we come together and we just ask the Lord to give each of us a word or a phrase that kind of guides us over the past year. How many of you maybe still have your washers? Has it, has it been true? Has it, have you seen that thing unfold in your life? I know I have. Um, and so that's a really powerful discipline. And then the following Sunday after that, we're going to speak about the vision that the Lord's given us for this year as a community. So January is going to be a lot of vision, a lot of what's, what's to come. But before we get there, we need to take time and we need to pause and reflect on this past year. Because, you know, remembering God's faithfulness in the past gives us confidence to dream about the future with him. Remembering God's faithfulness in the past, is a, it's a discipline. It does not come naturally to us. We're forgetful creatures. You know, we, it's very easy for us to fall back into the mundane, everydayness of life and forget when the moments were that God spoke, that God moved. And so we need those disciplines where we pause and we look back and ask God to remind us of where he was faithful in our stories. And that gives us this platform of this foundation that now we can start to dream about the future, but not out of a place of anxiety and doubt, but in a confidence. If God has done something in the past, he's going to do it again in the future. And we see this time and again in the scriptures. There's a lot of scripture, especially in the Old Testament, that's about remembering remembering. And it's usually some sort of mandate. God is often reminding his people, like, remember what I did for you in the past. Remember that I brought you out of Egypt, that I rescued you, that I gave you a new name, that I gave you this home. But we also find it the other way as well, where, where the, the faithful people of God are reminding God, hey, Yahweh, remember what you did. Okay? As if God needs to be reminded, you know? We say, God, remember, you did this for me. And so I'm actually challenging you to show up for me again. And I think that God actually likes that kind of push-pull when it comes to remembrance, that he's challenging you to remember everything that he's done for you, but he's also waiting for you to challenge him, to say, hey, Yahweh, Almighty, El Shaddai, 
pick your name. You did this for me. Do you remember when you spoke this over me? Well, here I am, and I'm on the brink of a new year, and I'm waiting for you to do the same. And he wants us to challenge in that because that's so much of the intimacy that we have with God. And so we're going to kind of talk through some of the key moments in our year as a community. But I want you to have this posture of openness to allow the Holy Spirit to remind you specifically of things that he has spoken for you uh, and done for you over this past year. So under your seat, um, there is a half sheet of paper and a pen. And just as we're going through this, I want you to be jotting down just whatever the Lord brings to mind. And we're going to have three specific moments uh, of proper reflection uh, about your personal value, about community, um, and most importantly, about how God has revealed himself uh, in his character. Um, and I think, you know, before we go any farther, it's really important that you understand that you have a natural orientation to time. In your personality, the way that you're wired, the way that you normally think and feel and act in the world, you have an orientation to time. Some of us, we're, we're very past-oriented. We think about maybe the recent past, or we think a lot about you know, what's happened, and we're constantly you know, drawing the past into the present moment and helping that to make informed decisions. Some of us are very present-minded people. The past is in the past, it's over and done with. The future will get here, but it's all about right here, right now, from moment to moment as I'm moving through my life. And some of us are very future-oriented. Tomorrow can't get here soon enough. 2019 can't get here soon enough. And why on earth would I want to reflect on the past? That sounds like it's exhausting. And even it, it's hard for me to be in the present moment because I'm so anticipating what's next. And so it's important as we're going through this that you're just sensitive that there's a natural orientation to time that you have in your personality to the past, the present, or the future. Um, and, and to use that as a gift that God has given you, but also to recognize for us to become healthy, balanced people, we need to know how to, to integrate the past, the present, and the future, how to really allow God to speak into the past, the present, and the future. This is a big travel day, apparently. <laughs> So as we're going through this, just keep that in mind. Like, what is your natural orientation to time? Do you, where, do you, where do you spend a lot of your energy thinking about? Do you think about the past a lot? Are you always thinking about the present? Or do you just kind of naturally think about the future? And just kind of help that um, to, to recalibrate you as we're going through this. In Psalm 77, the psalmist writes, Then I thought, to this, I will appeal. The years when the Most High stretched out his right hand, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your miracles of long ago. I will consider all your works and meditate on all your mighty deeds. And so, Father, at the end of 2018, we come here together as a family, as a community, as a people who have been chosen by you to be rescued redeemed, given new value and new names. And Lord, we are flighty creatures. It is so easy for us to forget what you have done, what you have said, what you've shown us, where you've guided us. And a lot of times, Lord, when we forget what, where you have been in the midst of our stories, we look back into the past with a sense of dread or guilt or regret because we can only see it through the lens of our ego, the stuff that we did or didn't do, the stuff that we said or didn't say. 
the disappointments, the, the things that never came to be. But Lord, when we get just stuck in our own stories, when we get kind of consumed with nasal gave, <laughs> navel gazing, <laughs> this is what happens when I try to get fancy in prayer. Lord, you know what I'm talking about, nasal gaving. Um, when we get stuck there, it's so easy for us to forget. And so Holy Spirit, would you open each one of us up right now to lay our human stories of the past year in front of you, um, that you would allow us to see them honestly, um, but most importantly, we would be able to see your fingerprint uh, in our stories. And so may the words of my lips and the meditation of all of our hearts be ever pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So we began last year with this yearly vision, telling God's story with everything we are. And what we've discovered in our community, kind of this sweet pattern that the Lord has developed with us, is that we have this almost kind of like consistent mission. And then each year the Lord gives us a vision that guides us for the duration of that year. And I almost like to think of it as, you know, those old looms. Have you ever gone to like, you know, Colonial Williamsburg or whatever, and they're like making fabric or, or whatever it might be. And there's this big loom and there's a shuttle that's kind of weaving in this new thread. And I feel like our mission is always the same. It's like the loom, it kind of holds the thing, but each year, the Lord gives us a vision that becomes the next thread that's woven into the story. And it's not that one vision disappears and then the next vision comes. It's that they're actually building upon one another. And so this past year, we were talking about telling God's story with everything we are. We believe that this is the story that saves the world, that we're not to go out and just to offer people good advice, but we're actually preaching good news. And we do that with every ounce of who we are, that our lives actually become the fertile soil in which the story of God takes place. And the way that we live our lives tells that kind of story about what God is like and how he's rescuing the world through Jesus and through his church. And so we began the year with this vision, and then we we pivoted to our church values that we had been spending so much time on. Um, and the values, it really helps to think, what's the language that we use to tell the story of God in our community? So let's see, well, it's up there, it's pretty obvious uh, what our values are. But first of all, we had, and then? Okay, and so these are our three th theological values. These are kind of those undergirding uh, themes in the story that we tell. The next three values are our communal values. And these are values that we hold as a people group, that all of us together, these are the things that we hold dear. And then finally, our personal values, the things that we're inviting each individual in our community uh, to invest in, and they are? Very good. And so these are things that we felt like were kind of already in the ether of our community and we wanted to, to name them, to kind of give them a shape, to give them um, a weight within our community. And they almost become these filters by which we do and say everything that we are. This is us, this is our DNA as a community. And that kind of foundational idea, it's almost like the loom that the visions are being woven into in our community is, is based on those three theological values. And it says, by cultivating intimacy with Father God, we learn to inhabit our identity in Christ and discover our purpose as the Spirit-led church. 
And so that undergirds everything that we say and we do. Every event, every series, all of our community groups, they all, you know, every sermon touches on at least one of those three values. And that was what we want to be the foundation of our community. And if you remember, even as we were going through that series, we kind of uh, one of the ones that I found most poignant was in our Unity and Diversity Sunday where we had all of these different moments that we had crafted to explore. What does it look like for us to have unity in Christ that's a gift that's given to us, not something that we work for? And, and out of that unity that we have in Christ, how do we celebrate the diversity within our community? We have a lot of different stories. Uh, we have a lot of different backgrounds. We have a lot of different experiences both within the church and outside of the walls of the church? And how do we see that diversity as a gift that God has given us and not a liability? Because we live in an era where we're being taught that you need to erase any sense of diversity in order to feel safe. That unity and uniformity are basically the same thing. And uniformity is, is certainly a lot easier, isn't it? I mean, how many of you would it'd just be easier if everybody in here was just like you? I know that's the constant prayer of my heart. If y'all were just exactly like me, we'd get along swimmingly and there would be no issues. There'd be, you know, there'd be no wrinkles. But that's not God's heart for us. God doesn't call us to uniformity. He calls us to unity, which is different. And when we embrace that, then we're actually able to celebrate the diversity that we come to one another with a sense of curiosity and say, tell me your story, tell me your experience of God that I might expand my understanding of who he really is. Um, and so we, the, the value series kind of took us up through Holy Week. This was, a, this was an image from Unity and Diversity. We were looking at that image of the flowers that are they're all so different, but when they come together, they create that beautiful picture of unity and diversity. Uh, and so then we moved into Holy Week um, as we've been you know, continuing to kind of get ourselves on the, the church calendar. It's a way for us to tell the story of God each year as the cycle begins anew. And so we came to that, that, that um, Holy Week. We started with Palm Sunday where we were talking about how it's Jesus's humility, where he's emptying himself of everything for our sake that, that saves the world. And so on Palm Sunday, we told the story of Jesus's last week um, on, the, on the planet before his uh, crucifixion and how he was emptying himself each step of the way in order to come to that moment on the cross where he finally gives up his own life in order to save us. Um, during that week, we had uh, our Seder dinner that we have every year with our friends at the cross. Uh, and then we came to our Good Friday service where we, we kind of transformed this room into a meditative walking through of these three key moments um, of experiencing the reality of Good Friday, of the crucifix through the eyes of the mother, through the eyes of the father, and then through Jesus himself. And perhaps some of you will remember um, this video. Everything has led to this moment. It's a strange thing, raising the Son of God. Have I been a good mother to you? Have I fulfilled what God has asked of me? And what is this now? I don't understand what is happening now. Everything has led to this moment. I keep hearing screams that muffle the sobs. I think it might be me. What have they done to you, my sweet boy? Is that even you? Oh, 
And so we were looking at this idea that, it, that it's only when we learn how to grieve that God can actually work us through our stories to begin to hope. And then we receive the joy of Easter Sunday as something that has been earned for us, not just kind of this like, you know, thing that we tip our hats to on our way past April 1st or whatever it might be, but it's that grief leads us to hope. And as we explore Jesus's loss of everything for the sake of love, we recognize what it is that God has won for us. And then that brought us to Easter Sunday, where we were looking at how Easter tells the story of Jesus's triumph over evil and the establishment of his new kingdom, that something happened on that day almost 2,000 years ago that is still playing out now in ways that we couldn't possibly have imagined, and that we live as Easter people. We live as resurrection people, people who have been arrested by that story, who have been drawn in and opened up and redeemed and given this new life and how do we learn to live out the resurrection in our day-to-day -day lives? And it was so beautifully timed because the following weekend was our very first Becoming Women's Retreat. How many of you women were at that? Um, and so Becoming was, was really an opportunity for the women in our community to get together and to work through that. The kind of theme was, I was, but now I am that a lot of times we use that language when we're talking about our journey with Jesus, that I was lost, but now I am found. And I actually asked uh, our dear friend Charity uh, to come up and to share a little bit about how that impacted her. If you want to give her a round of applause. So on a scale of one to 10, how nervous are you right now? My heart is pounding. I'm pretty nervous, but I want to testify of the Lord's faithfulness. So I knew I had to do this. Um, so the Becoming Women's Retreat was just really beautiful because when women come together, I, I just, I believe in it so much because sometimes women are hard on each other. And like, I loved the togetherness that happened. And specifically what happened um, was a really sweet moment that took courage on my part because I saw, felt the Lord like bringing things up in my heart, walls I had built um, of unforgiveness and like, and, um, grudges, like a grudge I was holding bitterness. I didn't know it, but so it took some courage on my part to like forgive. And, um, a really sweet moment happened with Megan. We went in the ocean and we submerged together. She's like, let's do this. And I was, I was nervous. I didn't want to let it go. Cause these things were like keeping me safe. I was afraid to let these things go. Um, but I did it. I left him there, you know, and, um, I wanted to be honest with the Lord and I knew if I did it, um, I was going to go all the way. So Anyway, that was the beginning of some, a journey um, this year, probably one of the biggest transformations spiritually of my life. Um, and the community really loved me and walked through some dark places with me. Um, and the Lord is so faithful. He showed me, actually, I'm going to echo what Ryan said. He, the Lord was showing me this year that he was there in my past in moments, and he um, is here now, and he's writing my future. Um, and so I can, I can just testify, the Lord's so faithful. Um, yeah. That's great. Thank you. She's very good at public speaking. Um, so we're going to take the first moment of reflection here, and I, I want you just to go to the Lord with uh, this question. When was a time this year that I was reminded of my immense value? Because a lot of times we're holding on to things that actually prevent us from receiving that truth of our value. 
And that's the thing that God wants to speak over. Sometimes he speaks it to us directly, but a lot of times God speaks to us our value through other people. And that's one of the most powerful ways that he uses that. So let's just take a moment, take a minute, and just ponder that. When was a time this year I was reminded of my immense value? God, I thank you that over and above every title, role, name that we would attach to ourselves or that other people have attached to us that speaks to our value and so often it speaks to our value as something that we do or how we perform or how we achieve. Lord, there's something that you, you do in salvation where you just peel off all of those roles, titles, names to reveal this thing at the core of us is that we are your beloved. We are defined by your adoration of us, your affection for us. God, teach us how to come back to that central truth of who we really are and the value that we carry because you have deemed us worthy, that you have deemed us valuable. And pray this in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. So that Sunday, um, you know, the women came back to us after that retreat and we had, uh, we had baptisms of the first year. This was us kind of stepping into that idea of being new creation that we had been talking about through Holy Week and through Easter, that we're living this new story and we were able to baptize some dear ones within our community and other people were reaffirming their vows, recommitting themselves uh, to Jesus. We were gonna do it today. Um, we didn't have anybody sign up, which is hopefully a good thing that everybody in here is already baptized um, to, to get into that. But that's something that we want to continue to pursue as a community is creating these opportunities for people to make that symbolic demonstration that they have been rescued in by the story of Jesus and given this new value as new creation. So um, after Easter, we began our next series called Love in Translation. And the question that we were asking in this series is, how do we translate God's story of love for the modern world? If we're called to tell this story, and our values are almost the language that we as City Beautiful Church use to tell the story, well, how do we go about doing that in the modern world? And we, we, we talked about this idea of translation, you know, in the, like with the scriptures, for example, how do people take uh, this ancient Greek and Aramaic and Hebrew, and how do they make it applicable uh, for the modern day? And one of the examples that I gave was when Jesus says, I am the bread of life, which is the exact translation that we find in scriptures, especially for us in the West. But the way that they've translated it a lot of, in a lot of Asian cultures is, I am the rice of life, which isn't technically accurate, but it better meets the real meaning of the word for that community. So they really understand what it is that Jesus is saying because they don't have the same value for bread. And when we begin to realize, like, oh, our lives are actually these translations of God's love, the way that he's crafted each one of you, your story your personality, your gifts. All of these are very unique ways that you have been called to translate this universal story of God's love in a way that somebody else might need to hear it, specifically through how you've come to understand him, your journey with him. And so that series was kind of helping us uh, to understand how are we uniquely crafted uh, to reach the world as it is today. And it kind of culminated in this Pentecost experience. And here's uh, a video that we put together um, of that Pentecost 
experience where we took G, uh, Peter's sermon on, uh, on Pentecost, uh, that very first sermon when the Holy Spirit dropped, and we asked people in our community to translate it into their own languages. And so we had, I think, nine different languages within our community that were represented telling that first sermon that Peter does, and that Peter doesn't give up, stand up and just give all these really good pointers to all the Jews that are listening, but he tells the story of God that culminates in Jesus and draws people into this new reality that's called the kingdom of God. Um, that kind of brought us up to the beginning of summer when we had uh, our next Praxis Sunday, which we're going to have one at the end of January. And this is an opportunity for us to say, okay, what are we doing as a community practically uh, to put, to put uh, teeth to the things that we're talking about, whether it's serving one another um, or it's entering into community. And that was when we launched our community groups. And this was really uh, intent on building a foundation of hospitality within our community that we believe that it's, it's through building this foundation where we're loving one another, welcoming one another into our homes, listening to one another's stories, advocating for one another that God actually starts to do some amazing things because it, it, it begins to speak to the deepest desire in each one of us, this desire for a sense of belonging. And, and uh, somebody in our community that I think uh, just walked us out so beautifully this year was Hunter Bustamante, and she's going to come up and share about her experience uh, in her community group over this past year. So... You, you did you did great. So tell us a little bit about like what was your experience with your community group this year? Um, I think I just really um, experienced um, this gift of intentionality and how week by week, as people were choosing in to like show up and um, just like break down walls, how um, the Lord like gave a new revelation of like what intimacy is. I felt felt like uh, for the longest time. I've had like a core group of people uh, in my life that I could share those things with, but like going to people that I'm not that familiar with and building community and building intentionality and just like being a good host. And um, like, it was just an amazing revelation of whether there was four people in the group that week or 10 people in the group that week, how we could just have a heart to like open up about prayer and hard questions about what it looks like to um, have family members or loved ones that don't believe in God and how to like struggle through that and how to have strength for that and to have uh, an intentional time for fun and an intentional time for prayer and uh, just diving in and being there for one another. And I think that was a really unique experience that taught me a lot about um, being a leader and also about being a friend and being a family member in a community of Christ. Great. Thank you. Give her a round of applause. Uh, so we're going to take our second moment of reflection here. The first one was about you receiving your immense personal value. The question I want to ask you here is, when was a time this year I felt deeply connected to community? When was a moment when you felt that, that deepest desire in yourself to belong was met? So let's just take a moment and reflect on that with the Lord.
God, we thank you that not only have you rescued us as individuals, that you've saved us as, uh, as personal souls, but you've also rescued us into a family. Um, Lord, I just think about that line that we find throughout scripture. Once we were no people, but now we are the people of God. Once we had not received mercy, but now we have received mercy. Lord, I pray that we would continue to be a community that uh, plums the depths of being the people of God, of being your family drawn together, not because of our likes and dislikes, not because of our preferences, not because of even how necessarily we value other people, but because of how you value all of us and that you've drawn us into this thing together. I pray that we would hold it with a deeper sense of gratitude moving into 2019, that we'd always be looking for those people that are kind of standing on the edge, waiting to be invited in. And of course, Lord, we pray for all of our friends and family um, who are traveling this weekend, who couldn't be with us today, Lord, that they would still feel that sense of belonging and togetherness um, as they are taking time uh, with their biological families or whatever they might be doing. Uh, bring them home to us safely that we can dream together about what 2019 will look. We pray this in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. And so that uh, began this journey through the summer of developing this sense of hospitality in our community groups. And on top of that, um, we laid our next series called Piercing the Veil. And this is a series where we were looking at the parables of Jesus that Jesus uh, didn't teach by just giving us these pointers, but that Jesus actually used stories in order to almost to disrupt us in our status quo understanding of what God is like and how the world is supposed to work, that Jesus told these stories that were meant to kind of shake us up, to wake us up a little bit and begin to see things differently. And the parables were there to invite us to this deeper way of encountering the kingdom of heaven. And you know, every year I want us to do at least one series where we're allowing the scriptures uh, to inform what we're learning. Because you know, sometimes, you can, you can create a sermon or, your, or a series or whatever. It's like, here's the idea and where are the scriptures that back that thing up? And that's really good, depending on what we're, we're looking at in that time. But I think it's also really valuable to say, well, here's the scripture. What is it speaking to us? And it was amazing, like, hearing from each of you these revelations that you were getting as we're going through these parables. We were teaching parables on Sundays, but then we were also inviting many of you to write reflections during the week that we were sending out via email. And I just loved hearing some of your revelations of what the kingdom of God was like, this upside down, backwards, counterintuitive kingdom. Because when we kind of come to Jesus with this sense of expectation that he's going to show us something, not that we're just gonna post our agendas to him, we find ourselves surprised and delighted um, by what he leads us to. Towards the end of that Piercing the Veil series, uh, we sent a team off to Peru. I think we've got a couple photos from that. We've had this ongoing relationship um, with a community down there called La Vina in Lima, Peru. This was, I believe, our fifth trip down there. How many of you went on that trip? There's a couple of you here. Christy, raise your hand. You went too. Um, I get to tease her. It's okay. Um, and, and, and the thing that was most impactful to me on this trip 
was going down and there's a sense of familiarity. Like we know these people, they know us. And it was so beautiful. Like my friend, Pastor Guillermo, who's down there, he said at the end of it, he said, you know, it, it just, it, we look forward to you guys coming every year because it really does feel like a sense of family. Like it, it's the, the, you know, the novelty of mission has kind of worn off. And it's like, no, we're actually in this thing together and we feel like equals. And even when Daniel picked us up from the airport, he said the same thing. And I wanna take Daniel this year, uh, the next trip that we go, but he said, it doesn't feel like it's even just a partnership anymore. This feels like this is actually family. And, and together, our family, we raised $11,000 for that. We had our Putting to Peru event and there was nine of us that went down and we really focused especially on helping that church develop their ministry um, to people in their community who are suffering from domestic or sexual abuse. And so they're continuing to do that work that we've been able to sow into in some way. And that brings us to the fall. Uh, our next series was entitled Crux. Uh, and the word crux is kind of like, you know, the central or pivotal point in an argument, um, but it's also the Latin word for cross. And so we wanted to uh, explore uh, the cross-shaped center of our faith. What are the core tenets of Christianity that when we come back to them time and again, they have something new uh, to reveal to us? We used uh, this line from 1 Corinthians. Paul says, For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And so if the cross is everything is headed towards the cross, but all these beautiful ideas within Christianity radiate from it, what are these core tenets of what it means to be a Christian um, that we come back to time and again, asking them to reveal something to us anew. And uh, I heard a really great story from our dear friend Curtis. He's going to come up and share um, an experience that he had. Yeah, give him a round of applause. Um, and one of the first things that we talked about in that series was God as a trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and how, you know, for a lot of us, that's kind of, you know, a, th a theological oddity that we don't really want to mess with it because it seems not particularly useful and very confusing. Um, but I asked this question uh, at the end, who in the Trinity do you naturally run to and who do you naturally run from? And Curtis had uh, something to share about that. Yeah, so, hi, I'm Curtis, um, if I haven't met you yet. Um, I've been a part of the community for about a year now. It's pretty crazy. It's been a year. Um, and um, yeah, Ryan was talking about the Trinity and it's kind of a, if you're like new here, you're new to the faith. Um, it's like the most simple way to describe a very unsimple thing. It's like we believe there's one God, but he's personified into three different people. So God, the Father, Jesus, the Son, and then the Holy Spirit. Um, so hopefully this makes sense to some degree. But um yeah, uh, Ryan was talking, and he asked this question. He said, which um, do you relate to the most? And, uh, man, when he asked that question, um, I kind of tuned out. Um, sorry. Um, <laughs> I'm so used to that. <laughs> and uh, I just, my mind just, like, flooded into these questions and why and why do I relate to. And for me, it was like when I'm in stress or when I'm in need or when I'm in pain, the first person I ran to was, God, why aren't you here? Or like, Father, help me. Or, and so I realized for me it was God the Father. And, and so I'm processing all this, and I kind of tune back in actually at the end. And, um, and he asks another question, and he said, um, which do you relate to the least and why? 
And for me, in that moment, um, I almost didn't want to say it, but I, I, I had to. It was Jesus. And um, I realized uh, when he said why in that moment that there was um, still a lot of shame shaping the way that I was approaching God. And the lights were low, you know, like we've been having, and um, the music was playing. And I just, you know, had this moment um, in the space where I could kind of process that. And I, you know, I had to come to Jesus moment again, you know, and I had to let him pay for my sins again. I had to, I had to lay it at his feet again. And, um, and that's what I think is just so, I mean, it was transformational for me because I realized I'm not, I'm not approaching God the way that um, he intends for me to, and that there is no gap anymore, and that it's been bridged by the blood of Jesus. And um, there's space for that here where you can contemplate or pray with one another. And um, I just, I think that's probably been one of the most impactful things for me was having that space to contemplate and connect with God. Great. Thanks, man. Yeah. Give him a round of applause. So we're going to enter into our third moment of reflection. I've asked you to consider when was a time when you were reminded of your immense value, um, when was a time this year where you felt deeply connected to community, and then finally, when was a moment this year when my perspective of God radically shifted, where he revealed something about his character to you uh, that just, maybe it was even just reminding you of something that you've taken for granted or you've forgotten, uh, but just something that this new awareness of what God is like. So just take a minute and reflect on that. God, every time we think that we have you figured out, you blow up our ideas of who you are um, because you're bigger, you're better, you're more beautiful than anything that we can understand. But Lord, rather than that being something that's intimidating or defeating, what a beautiful journey, what a beautiful invitation that is for us to explore the length and the, the depth and the height of who you are your love, your mystery, your goodness. God, I pray that we never lose that, that hunger, that desire to discover you all over again, to come back to these things that we take for granted, to learn new things about you that we've never experienced before, because that is literally the point of our lives, to discover who you are in intimacy, to know you with a knowledge that surpasses just information, to experience the reality of who you are, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, to allow that experience to transform us so that day by day we look more like you. We radiate your character out into the world and we see others transformed by the experience they have there. So continue to speak to us, God, about who you are that we might fall in love with you anew every day. We pray this in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. And so we finished up our year with that, that crux series. We had our Thanksgiving potluck. Again, another opportunity for us to celebrate diversity. How many of you were here for that? Oh my gosh. We just get better and better at potlucks as we go along, I swear. 
uh, just amazing food, great conversation, just celebrating uh, one another and the diversity within our community. And then we entered into the season of Advent, another you know, opportunity in the church calendar where we begin telling the story of God all over again where we're looking with expectation towards the Christmas story. And we looked at these four themes, hope and peace and joy and love, and seeing what does it mean for God to come in that baby Jesus and how are those things reflected onto us? How are those offered to us as gifts? And you know, as I've been reflecting even this week about those four themes about our Advent season, it, to me, it's, it's presence. It's always been about presence. Everything else is not even secondary. When it, like that's the thing, that when we're able to experience the presence of Emmanuel, God with us, the God who moves through history alongside of us, the God who turns curses into blessings, that's what it's about. That's what really matters. And so that's our year in review. We've accomplished so much. God has been so faithful to us as a community. He's been so faithful to each one of you. But in the same breath, I also know in this room, there's still a lot of expectation. There's still a lot of waiting, active waiting. There's still a lot of needing to see God move in very specific parts in your story. And I want to remind you today, as we've been looking even in Advent, like don't give up hope. Don't let go because it hasn't happened yet. But can you lean more into God's character? Can you trust him more, his timing, his way of doing things? Can you, do you actually have the audacity to kind of come to the Almighty and to say, God, I remember everything that you've done this year, everything you've spoken over me, and I have very high bar for 2019 and what you're going to say and what you're gonna do. So I wanna invite you to stand with me and we're gonna worship. And I want you to worship out of that place of remembrance in the same way that Israel worshiped out of remembrance, that they kept telling one another the story. Remember what God has done for our people in the past. And we're gonna put it into song and we're gonna sing it and we're gonna clap it and we're gonna pray it over one another. And we're gonna remember and remember and remember to give us this sense of expectation for what God is gonna do in the present moment and what he's going to do in the future. So let's pray and let's worship this very faithful God. Father, I thank you for every good thing that you have done this year in the lives of your faithful here, in our community overall, in our nation and around the world. God, you are living and active. You are on the move. Your kingdom only has one direction. And it's so easy for us, God, to forget that because we get stuck in our own stuff. But help lift us out of the fog of our own thing that we can see what you've been doing. Give us eyes to see your move. Give us ears to hear your voice that it gives us confidence that over the next month, as we begin to ask you for vision for the next year for us communally and personally, that we have something to stand on because we know that you're faithful. We know that if you've done it before, you're going to do it again and you're gonna do it an even greater amount. So Lord, as we worship you in this moment, we give you permission to move in us and through us, continue to speak to us, that we can leave this place celebrating our very good and faithful God this in the strong name of Jesus. Amen.
this has been the City Beautiful Church podcast. To stay connected, follow us on social everywhere at City Beautiful CH. We hope you join us again soon.